Hey, my name's Jeremy, and I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at Shelter Cove. And I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in with us today. I firmly believe you're going to be encouraged, you're going to be inspired, but most of all, that God's going to do something through this message that's going to move you closer to Jesus. Thanks again for tuning in. Uh, hey, I want to give a shout out to those joining us online, also those in the venue. So glad that you're here with us today. And also, if this is your first time at Shelter Cove, I just want to say welcome. My name is Jeremy. I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at Shelter Cove. And before we dive into the message, I just want to again uh, take a moment to pause and thank God for everything that happened last weekend. A couple things. We had a lot of people come to know Jesus, but church, we had 56 people get baptized last weekend as followers of Jesus Christ. Can we give them some praise? Here's a couple other cool things. Uh, I had a lot of people ask me, hey, what did you appreciate the most? And it's hard to just simplify that in a few things. I, I love the entire weekend, but what really blessed my heart was to see so many of you serving Saturday morning at our extravaganza. That was an opportunity for us to really love and bless our community, people that normally don't go to church and you were serving and people were experiencing the love of Jesus as kids got pelted with 35,000 eggs from a helicopter, which was just which was just awesome. And then last week at the 10 o'clock service, you can see it's packed uh, right now. Uh, it was packed upstairs in the loft as well. I mean, we were like sardines at the 10 o'clock hour. So we're already thinking through, how do we add more chairs next year? Uh, do we uh, in the near future, just change our service times to accommodate what God's doing here at Shelter Cove. So we can, we just appreciate God one more time for everything that he's doing right here at Shelter Cove. Hey, stoked that you're here with us today. We are continuing our series titled Not the Same. Last weekend, we looked at Not the Same Person, and we looked at 2 Corinthians 5.17, where Paul said, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And we talked about what it means to be in Christ. It's so much more than a status. It's a personal relationship with Jesus. And then next weekend, we're looking at the whole theme of not the same mindset, then not the same parent Mother's Day weekend, then not the same friend, and finally, not the same employee. And today we're looking at not the same marriage, that Jesus changes every area of our life, including our marriages. So if you have your Bibles, meet me in Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19 is where we're going to be today. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. One of the ushers will get one to you. If you are using one of the church's Bibles, we're on page 824. If you don't have a Bible, this is our gift to you. If you would like a leather Bible, you can go to our resource center or you can check the lost and found. Maybe there's a Bible with your name on it. All right. So we are just stoked that you're here with us today. And here, here's what I firmly believe as you're turning to Matthew chapter 19. I believe that regardless of where you're at in life, that God's going to speak to you today. Means maybe you're single, maybe you're engaged, maybe you're newly, a newlywed, maybe you've been married for 50 years, uh, maybe you're in a season where you've been recently divorced, maybe you're widowed, I don't know what it is. But I firmly believe that God's going to speak to you today. And we're just simply looking at 23 words, not 23 verses, 23 words from the mouth of Jesus. These same words we see back in Genesis chapter two, Paul says them in Ephesians. And I believe that if we can get these principles down, they will greatly transform our lives. Matthew chapter 19, we're focusing on verse five. 
But to get the context, we're going to start with verse 3. So would you stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word? Matthew 19, starting in verse 3, it says, And the Pharisees came up to him, speaking of Jesus, and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And he answered, you know, I want you to see here, uh, not just our stance as a church, but the biblical stance of marriage. You know, our culture is saying you can marry whoever you want as long as it makes you feel good. Jesus, once again, reiterates that biblical marriage is between one biological man and one biological woman. And this is what he says, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female. And he said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Heavenly Father, in this moment... We ask that you would speak to our hearts. And not only that, would you open wide our hearts that we would receive your word today? God, where we need encouragement, would you encourage us? God, where we need to change, would you change us? God, where we need help, would you help us? God, I pray for your help right now, that you would take over my mouth, my mind, my heart, and that you would boldly declare the message you have in store for your people today. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, one of my favorite traditions uh, growing up on 4th of July was to eat homemade strawberry ice cream. And I love this because we would have neighbors called the Greens and the dad's name was David and he would make homemade strawberry ice cream just about every year and he would make it with three simple ingredients. It would be milk, it would be sugar, and it would be strawberries. And uh, he would put that all in an ice cream maker and he would be cranking the side of that thing for hours. How many of you remember the days where you had to crank it yourself and not this electric ghetto stuff, right? Yeah, you had to work for it. And so he would put all the ingredients in there and he would turn it with his right arm until his right arm was about ready to fall off. And then he would turn it with his left arm until that got tired. And he just would keep doing that for such a long time. And after all these ingredients were in there and after all his hard work, we would get to partake, partake of this ice cream. And by the way, I believe that there will be homemade strawberry ice cream in heaven because that's God's gift to us. It was just amazing to be able to sit down on a hot day and partake of homemade strawberry ice cream. Three ingredients, a lot of hard work. It made all the difference in the world. And I say that because today we're looking at three ingredients to a healthy marriage. Three ingredients that with a lot of hard work, we do it God's way, we're going to experience just, just a little bit of, of joy and happiness that's only possible with God. And one of the reasons why I want to talk about marriage today is because I believe one of the greatest sources of pain, heartache, frustration, disappointment are because of so many marriages that are doing it the world's way instead of God's way. And all the single people are like, I don't ever want to get married, right? <laughs> but on the other hand, when we do marriage God's way, when we do it according to the Bible, there can be so much joy and so much happiness and so much fulfillment. 
Uh, if you are single, I just want to encourage you with something before we dive into this. This is great stuff to really think through before you get married. But three things if you're single. Number one is know whoever the person that you're dating or looking to, to date, know who their master is. Why? Because it's either going to be Jesus or it's going to be somebody else. And why is this so important? Because the master dictates the mission. Jesus' mission is making disciples. And then ultimately, you want to marry somebody that has the same master, the same mission, and that's going to be your mate. And if you want to know what they're going to be like as a married individual, watch the way that they're married to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the perfect spouse. Jesus is perfect love, perfect forgiveness, perfect grace. So you look at their relationship with Jesus, and if that's off, if that's wrong, if you're going to marry them, it's going to be off and it's going to be wrong. So that's just a word of encouragement to all of our single people. But today, what I want to talk about is three principles of a godly marriage. And we see this from the words of Jesus, and we see this back in Genesis. We see this very clearly uh, in the life of Paul as well when he talks about marriage. And I think it's very interesting that when we go back to Genesis chapter 2, we see Adam and Eve, and they, they, they had it easy, right? I mean, Adam had no competition. Eve was made for him, from him, right? There wasn't a wedding list. I don't even think they had to do a wedding, no invitation list, no crossing anybody off, no picking out the flowers, the tuxedos. And let's face it, they didn't have to deal with in-laws, right? Just keeping it real, folks. But isn't it amazing, despite the fact that they didn't have parents, back in Genesis chapter 2, God still said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother setting the tone for all of us. Three principles of a godly marriage. First one is leave, be separate. Jesus said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. In other words, for us to, to leave, our priorities need to change. Our relationships need to change. That's what Jesus is getting at. When you decide to get married, your number one priority is God. Your second priority is your spouse. And then thirdly, it's everybody else. To leave, to, to be uh, separate. It literally means to forsake dependence upon. In other words, when you get married, you're, you're no longer dependent on your mom or dad. You are now dependent on your spouse. And I believe as we look at this word leave, you can do that in a way that both honors your spouse and your parents. Don't miss that. Your mom and dad have done so much to help raise you, to love you, to watch out for you, to protect you as there's a shift in the priority of your relationships. You can do that in a way that says, you know what, my spouse is going to be my greatest priority. But in the midst of that, I'm still going to, to honor my mom and dad and still have a healthy relationship with them. And I believe there's four different areas. If we're going to leave, if we're going to be separate, um, that we need to, to be aware of. And I, what I want you to do is just identify, are any of these in my life unhealthy? Are, are any of these relational areas with my mom or dad or even with my kids that are now married unhealthy because for us to leave yes as a new newlywed couple or a couple we need to leave from our parents but moms and dads we also need to encourage our kids to leave from us so the first area where we need to leave is we need to leave physically we need to leave physically what does that mean that means once you get married you shouldn't be living with mom and dad right 
means we need to leave physically. We need to, to move out of the house. We need to start life on our own. We're not living in the basement anymore. We're not living in the garage. We're not living in the guest bedroom. We are living life on our own. We need to leave physically. And with that, that means that maybe we're not stopping by mom and dad's house every single day. They're not stopping by our house every single day. No, we've, we've truly decided to start a new life with our spouse on our own. And I think one of the, the hardest ways that, that we deal with this is some of the holidays. Because you've got these holiday traditions where you used to always go to grandma's house or, or aunt's house and you get married and you decide, you know what, you're going to start your own holiday traditions and you're going to be, be doing things differently. For Kelly and I, after being married for six months, one of the challenges was we, we moved down to Pasadena and it was really healthy for our marriage and really, really hard because we, we love our folks. We've got great relationships with our folks, both in the Sacramento area, but we left, we separated ourselves because we believed that God was calling me to, to go to seminary down there. And it was really good. It was really healthy, but it was really difficult. You need to leave physically. Second of all, you need to leave spiritually. Leave spiritually. What, what does that mean? That means that your faith becomes your own. That you're not simply doing things because your, your mom always did it this way, your dad always did it this way. Maybe you're not going to the same church. Maybe you're not doing the same devotional that your parents always did. But you are embracing your own personal relationship, your own values based upon not first and foremost the way your parents did stuff, but first and foremost the Word of God. Again, for Kelly and I, when, after we got married, God was calling us to youth ministry, which was great. It was a little different than the calling that my parents had, her parents had. Not wrong, just different. And that's okay. Why? Because you need to leave not just physically, but also spiritually. Thirdly, you need to leave financially. Again, that word leave, forsake, dependence upon, is to no longer be reliant on your, on your parents to pay your, your medical bills, to pay your cell phone bill, your, your car insurance, all of these things. Now, I just want to say there will be times in life where tragedy hits. And I'm not saying it's unbiblical for a mom or dad to say, hey, we want to bless you. We want to help you out. Please understand the heart of what Jesus is saying. He's saying that there shouldn't be this attachment, this reliance on your mom and dad in any of these ways that keep you from attaching to your spouse. And so we just need to, to make sure there's no unhealthy areas where we are reliant on our parents instead of being the couple that God has called us to be. And then the fourth area, and I believe that this is the most difficult one, it's, it's to leave emotionally. It's to leave emotionally. In other words, that we're making sure that our value, that our affirmation is not coming first and foremost from our mom and dad, but from our spouse, from our spouse. And there's three areas where I believe that, that we need to make sure we leave uh, emotionally. The first one is in decision-making. How do you make decisions as a couple? And that's really something you got to talk through and figure out. How, how do we come together and make decisions? First and foremost, you talk to God, then you talk to each other, and then who do you talk to? Because I think one of the challenges, a lot of times young marrieds, they, they, they get married, or maybe you've been married five years, 10 years. The first person you ask when it comes to decision-making advice is your mom and dad instead of your spouse. What do you think, mom and dad, about this job and all this? To create intimacy in a marriage, the first person we talk to after talking to God is our spouse. It builds trust. It builds love. It builds support. It builds oneness, all these things. So as we make decisions, we're not first and foremost asking our parents, we're turning to our spouse. 
Second area is just emotional needs. And here's what I mean by this. When you have difficult days, when life throws you curveballs, again, after turning to Jesus, who's the first person that you turn to? Is it your mom? Is it your dad? Let me take that a step further. Is it a friend? Is it another family member? Or is it your spouse? Because I believe one of the greatest ways to create intimacy in a marriage is to make sure our emotional needs are being met from our spouse. Kelly and I will will share things with each other and pray for each other in ways that nobody else knows. Why? Because we want our emotional dependency to always be fulfilled through each other and not somebody else. It doesn't mean you can't have a great relationship with your mom, your dad, but your emotional needs need to be met for, um, between you and your spouse in order for you to leave. And then thirdly, not de- decision-making emotional needs, but marital conflict. Let me encourage you with this. If you decide to get married, there will be conflict. And all the married people said, amen, right? It's just a reality. There, there will be problems in your marriage. There will be challenges in your marriage. The question is, when conflict arises, what do you do? Who do you turn to? See, if we're not careful, we can quickly turn to mom and dad instead of our spouse. And what are mom and dad going to do? They're going to protect us. Why? Because they've done that our whole lives. They've taken our side. They're going to take our stand. And they might not realize that we've moved through a difficult time really quickly, that the problem is all already over and they're bitter at our spouse. They're frustrated at our spouse. So one of the greatest things that we can do in the midst of conflict is deal with that with our spouse. We're not turning to our parents and saying, mom, dad, you have no idea what my spouse did. We take that a step further. Parents, we're not turning to our kids and saying, kids, you have no idea what mom or dad did. No, we're turning to each other. In fact, moms and dads, one of the greatest things that you can do when your kids are in a conflict in their marriage is send them back to their spouse and tell them to figure it out. There was a, a couple, and they, they got into a fight after three months. The daughter was weeping, crying. She was at her house. She decided to call her dad. Hadn't worked it out with her husband. And she said with tears, Dad, you're not going to believe this. We got in a huge fight. I didn't think marriage was going to be like this. I'm hurt. I'm wounded. You have no idea what he said. And she said, I just want to come home. And he was at work. She was sitting on her couch in her house, and there was this long, awkward pause. And her dad said, sweetheart, you are home. Figure it out with your spouse. It's one of the greatest things that we can do when there's marital conflict with our kids is say, hey, figure it out with your spouse. Now, there is one exception that I believe, and that's anytime there's abuse. Anytime there's abuse in a marriage, we need to make sure as moms and dads, we're doing what we can to help out, make sure our kids are safe, but then prayerfully hope that they can reconcile in a God-honoring way. But man, it really, it starts with us. It starts with us being the spiritual leaders of the home and saying, hey, I want to do everything I can to honor my spouse, make sure they're the priority and have great relationships with mom and dad. But we need to leave physically, leave spiritually, leave financially, and leave emotionally. In fact, we've got a retreat coming up next weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, It's going to be at Sugar Pine Campground. All the men, uh, I just want to invite you to do that. We're going to shoot bows and arrows and throw axes, not each other at targets. We're going to go fishing. It's going to be an absolute blast. And in the midst of that, we're going to talk about what it means to be all in 
as a man, I have the privilege to be the speaker and just really looking forward to a, a fun weekend, hanging out and just pursuing Jesus and having fun. So I wanna encourage you guys to, to sign up. But the first thing that we need to do is we need to leave. We need to be separate from our parents. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. Second point Jesus says is not only do we need to, to leave and be separate, but we need to cleave and be committed. We need to, to cleave and be committed. See, cleaving is, is clinging. It's, it's holding fast to your wife. It's holding fast to your spouse. It's literally a husband and, and wife being connected to each other, bonded to each other, attached to each other, facing the world together. It's, it's this commitment that's only possible with Jesus. The next verse in verse six says, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. I love this. It's, it's two people being so committed, they literally become one. Now there will there will be times in your marriage where your commitment to your spouse will be challenged. And I believe there's two key areas where it will be challenged. First of all, in your differences. And here's why. Because men and women are different. Can I get an amen? We're just, we're just, we're just different. We've got different um, priorities. We got different passions, different desires. God's just wired us differently. In fact, uh, here's a couple uh, pictures. Here's a man's desktop and here's a woman's, right? It looks all pretty and cute and all that kind of stuff. But when you go to the desktop of a computer, this is what it looks like. Man's is perfectly clean, right? And then you got a woman's desktop and it's just chaos, right? And, and guys, we want to fix everything. And ladies, we just want our husband to listen. In fact, check out this video. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless. And I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. You do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop would... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing- You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. Yeah, well, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine, I will listen, fine. It's just, Sometimes it's like, there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on, Ow. if you would just- Don't! Isn't there a lot of truth to that, church, huh? Guys, just practicing that, that sounds really hard, right? If we could just do that, life would be so much better. I think about the differences that Kelly and I have. Um, you know, Kelly's a, a morning person. I'm a night person. She prefers the mountains. I prefer the beach. Uh, she likes cats. I think they're from Satan. Um, <laughs> 
She prefers chicken. I prefer steak. Uh, she likes music and arts. I prefer sports. And Kelly is a homebody, and I like to go out and do stuff. And here's the reality. In the midst of our differences, a couple things. Number one, focus on what you appreciate about your spouse. Focus on what you appreciate, because about, amongst all the differences that Kelly and I have, I so appreciate that she loves the Lord. So appreciate that she's such a, a godly wife, a godly mom. Um, she's my best friend. She's one of the most caring, compassionate people that I know. And if you're not careful, you will focus on all of your differences instead of what you really appreciate about your spouse. And then here's the second thing. So many of us go into marriage with unrealistic expectations. And I would encourage you to lower your expectations of your spouse. In other words, uh, Kelly's dad was a great handyman. He built their house. He's put trailers on the back of trucks. Uh, I cannot do anything that's handy, all right? Uh, I, was, I asked a friend to go get some tools in my garage. He's like, you mean your hammer and your screwdriver? That's it. Um, and so Kelly has lowered her expectations of me. She knows that when something gets broken in the house, I either have to call a handyman or ask a friend to come over and fix it. And she's just lowered her expectations. I like to keep my car really clean. Kelly does not really care about the minivan and how clean it is. In fact, if I am hungry, and I haven't had time to eat lunch, I just get my hand like a rake, and I just go like that, and I've got French fries, cheeseburgers, chips, all of that kind of stuff. It's great. I'm, I'm playing. There's no French fries, just cheeseburgers, chips, and all that. The kids eat the fries. But I just, I just lower my expectations now. Like, Kelly went and got the car washed yesterday. I'm like, wow, is, is everything okay? You know, you, you lower your expectations. In fact, last night after the message, I had a couple of husbands that were there with their wives. He's like, Jeremy, I, I love, love the message. My favorite part was when you said, lower your expectations. Now when my wife asks me to do anything, I'm just going to be like, lower your expectations. <laughs> His wife was standing next to her and she's like, yeah, the problem is I already have, right? <laughs> he had nothing else to say after that. <laughs> But our commitment will be challenged in the midst of our differences. The second area where our commitment will be challenged to our spouse is in difficult times. In difficult times, why? We will all have them. There will be something that will come out of left field, something that will surprise us. It will be a health issue, a financial issue, a relational issue, trust that's broken. Something will happen in your marriage that will challenge your commitment to one another. And yet the greatest marriages are the ones that get through those challenges because every single person, every single marriage will experience those. And for Kelly and I, it happened several years ago when our son Jacob was born. Several of you know our story. Our son has severe special needs. He was at Stanford Hospital for six weeks, found out he had a chromosome disorder, found out that uh, future kids could have chromosome disorders. We could have several miscarriages. Uh, Kelly's way of dealing with that was to just want to talk about adoption in the future. Mine was like, I just want to deal with the fact that we've got a special needs kid and I don't want to rush into that. So we ended up getting counseling together, individual. It was very, very difficult. I had a friend several years ago that put his hand on my shoulder and said, Jeremy, you may not know this, but 90% of marriages where there's a severe special needs kid, they end in divorce. And so we, we've dealt with that whole reality of being committed 
even in the midst of difficult times. And I'm sure you have as well. If you're married, it's happened or it will happen. In the midst of your differences, in the midst of difficult times. And then one other area that, that we always have to be aware of is, is any time in our life there's an unhealthy connection or an unhealthy comparison to somebody else that will challenge our commitment to our spouse. An unhealthy connection, what does that mean? Connection to a, a past girlfriend or boyfriend. Connection to, to somebody at work. Connection to maybe our mom and dad. Somebody that, that's not our spouse or an unhealthy comparison. In other words, if, if I'm being compared to, to Kelly's dad or she's being compared to my mom, that's just unhealthy. So we have to constantly be aware of that. And one of the, the realities is that social media does not help that. Social media does not help us with the unhealthy connections and comparisons that can literally destroy a marriage. You need to be committed to your spouse. Your spouse. See, some of you are committed to your marriage, the institution, but you're not committed to your spouse. There's a difference. You are committed to the person that God's placed in your life. Jesus said the first thing that you need to do is, is leave, be separate, cleave, be committed, and then thirdly, weave, be unified. Weave, be unified. It says, and the two shall become one flesh. What, what, what's this one flesh? It's the unifying of the soul, of the spirit, of our hearts, our desires. It's literally two people becoming one. And I love this because there are times where people have been married 30, 40, 50, 60 years, and the husband and wife literally start looking like each other. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? It's like, yes, that's kind of creepy, isn't it? But two people literally become one in such a way where, where they start looking like each other. And so there's this, this oneness, there's this intimacy that God wants us to have. And if we're gonna do this, we need to protect unity. And I believe there's a couple ways that the enemy will, will come in and, and try to, to divide you, try to tear apart your unity. One is through your kids. Three ways you can write these down if you want your kids. Why? Because if we're not careful as a husband and wife, our, our, our whole walk, our whole lives, our whole world can revolve around our kids instead of us as husband and wife. It's all about academics. It's all about athletics. It's all about wanting our kids to be successful and thrive. And there's nothing wrong with that. It becomes a problem when our kids become more important than our marriage. And we see this statistically, one of the greatest, the, the greatest season for people to get divorced is zero to seven years into their marriage, they get divorced. After that, it's, it's, I believe, after 25 years. Why? Because a husband and wife has spent their entire lives building their marriage around their kids instead of each other. Their kids get out of the house, they graduate, they go off to college, and they're like, we have no idea who, who each other are. Because kids, if we're not careful, can divide our unity as a husband and wife. Second of all is a career. In other words, we build our life around our career instead of our marriage. 
It's all about making more money. It's all about climbing the ladder in our organization. It doesn't matter if it takes us away from our family for days, for weeks, for months. It's all about our career. I had a couple uh, that sat down with me and I asked if I could share this story several years ago, came into my office. Uh, they were not doing well in their marriage and just really wanted to be right with each other. They're like, hey, we'll do whatever we gotta do to, to have the marriage that God wants us to have. Things were not going well at the time and I asked them financially how they were doing and they said, great, they both had great jobs and the husband said, hey, I'll do, do whatever I gotta do. He had poured uh, his life and heart into climbing up the ladder in his position, was doing very, very well. I just, I just told him, Hey, if money's not an issue and your wife will be able to provide during the season, you believe you can get a different job, you gotta figure out and choose what's more important, your job or your spouse. And if it's your, your spouse, I just lovingly encouraged him, quit your job, quit your job. The next day he quit his job. Ended up getting another job. Just talked to him recently over the last several years. Their marriage has been growing. They've got a great marriage today. God's provided for, for them. But he made a decision. What's going to be more important, my spouse or my career? Kids, your career. And then thirdly, it's just your schedule. Your schedule. And I believe this is a combination of your kids, of your career, of your hobbies, of your friends. Uh, some people say, you know, I just, I just don't have time to, to go out on a date with my spouse, to go for a walk with my spouse. Let me just lovingly encourage you, then something's wrong. Something's wrong. And, I, and there are seasons where we're busy. I have seasons where, where, boy, it's crazy busy, and Kelly's very understanding. But if it's one season after another season, after another season, after another season, something needs to change. So you weave be unified. I want to share with you uh, a story. And this is from Jamie and Alicia. And they went through our class here at Shelter Cove, Love and Respect. And in the midst of uh, difficult times, in the midst of tragedy, uh, in the midst of their differences, uh, God did a mighty work in their story. Go ahead and check it out. Got married in 1995. And we had a son, his name is Cody. We lost him to SIDS. Um, I think that was kind of the beginning of communication breakdown. He, we dealt with grief a lot different and it's not good or bad, it's just different. And unfortunately, it, we had more infertility issues that every time something happened, we got further and further away and never addressed it. You know, it, we did try counseling. He wasn't feeling it. Um, tried counseling a couple times and it just, one of us just wasn't in that place at that time. And it took me months to leave, six months to leave because I didn't want to, but I could see it all just unraveling and life unraveling and no happiness, no joy, no peace. And it was over nothing. It was over something stupid. I was dividing laundry and he said, I told you I'd do that tomorrow. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to go to my mom's. And he said, I doubt that. And I thought, you know what? 
I took my dog <laughs> and my overnight bag and I left and that was that. Previous time, I've always, I, I did, I challenged her, not proud of it, but I challenged her. I would see how far I could get up to that line and then she would back down and never leave. I buried myself in the Bible and prayer and it really gave me a lot of peace and it made me feel connected to God in a way that I had never felt before and taught me how to pray effectively, not just not just like a begging, but a God, you know, I know this is in your hands and I know you have it, your hand on him and you have your hand on our marriage and just tell me what to do. And all I heard is be still, be still. I've got this, just be still. And I started seeing him in church with me, sitting next to me, giving his life back to the Lord. And then when it happened, it was just amazing. Because I really didn't think it was going to. I was thinking about that just a couple days ago that I cannot believe where we are now compared to one year ago. Because one year ago, I hadn't even left yet. And I was miserable. I know he was miserable. The household was miserable. Nobody was happy. And now, I mean, we look forward to Saturdays and grandkids and church. And we look forward to the times that we have our date night or, or whatever we do, you know, even just sitting around just talking. But I learned, I think, three or four weeks into love and respect that, you know what? You just need to be there shoulder to shoulder. And sometimes she doesn't want you to talk and fix the problem. She just wants you to be quiet and just sit there, lay there, cuddle with her, go down and get her a glass of water. Just don't talk, just be there. And that week was the first time in our 24 year marriage that to be honest, that I, I just, I was quiet. I occasionally asked and she would, she wouldn't snip. She would just say, I just don't want to talk about it. Okay. Normally, the old Jamie would have pushed and pushed and pushed until we would have been fighting. The new Jamie was just like, you know what? I'm going to listen to this book. I'm going to listen to God. And we need to be shoulder to shoulder, but I don't need to solve a problem right now. I just need to be there. Can we appreciate Jamie and Alicia and just their willingness to share their story? That's their story. My question for you today is what's going to be yours? What's going to be the story of your life? What's going to be the story of your marriage? And for some of you, you're asking, you know, Jimmy, that's great, but what do you do when trust has been broken? What do you do when, when the Bible says it's two became one flesh and your spouse does something that literally rips a piece of your, your heart out? Um, I just want to encourage you with two things. Uh, number one, from what I see of the heart of God, God is a, a God of reconciliation. And if at all possible to demonstrate the love, the grace, the mercy, and the compassion that God's demonstrated to you, and that God can restore 
a broken marriage. I've seen it happen dozens of times. And then the second of all, time is a great healer. Time is a great healer. And here's, here's my encouragement for you if your marriage is not where you want it to be. Your marriage is not where God wants it to be. It's not where it needs to be. For the next 21 days, take time out loud with your spouse and just pray with each other for each other. Some of you are thinking, you know what, I, that's not me. I'm, I don't pray out loud. I don't like the way I sound. Our word this year is fearless. There is something powerfully intimate about praying with somebody out loud, maybe even holding their hand. And I just want to encourage you for the next 21 days with your spouse to do that out loud and watch what God does because you will begin to grow closer to God and in doing so, you will draw closer to your spouse. Leave, be separate, cleave, be committed, and weave, be unified. That's God's heart for every single married couple. If your spouse is sitting next to you today, here or in the loft, uh, would you just grab a hold of your spouse's hand right now? I just want, I want, I want to just pray for you wherever you're at. Maybe you're watching online, you're with your spouse, just, just grab their hand just for a moment. Let's bow and let's pray. God, we've got so many marriages here today. God, some that are doing well, some that are doing just okay. And God, maybe many that are just barely hanging on. So today, God, we pray for your help. We pray for your strength. God, we pray for your heart to be our heart. God, that the way we treat our spouse would not be the way that they treat us or based upon what they say to us or do for us, but the way we treat our spouse would be solely based upon the way that you've treated us. God, where you need to change our hearts, would you change our hearts? Where you need to change our expectations, change our expectations. Where you need to change our desires, would you change our desires? God, today, for those of us that are married, we just want to desire Jesus and we just want to desire our spouse. God, for those that currently are involved in a fling or involved in a relationship with somebody that they know they shouldn't be with, would you give us the strength to make that call to end that today? God, I pray for the singles that are here, that you would keep them patient until you provide spouse that you have in store for them. God, for those that are divorced, for those that are widowed, for those that are hurting, would you fill them with the love, the grace, the compassion, and the comfort of your Holy Spirit? God, we love you. God, thank you that today is another opportunity to get right with you and to get right with our spouse. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.